just the execution of divide. I learned a lot of things about myself and I think there's a lot more in me in terms of the two hundreds. And I want to try hundreds again and see if I can kind of get better at one hundreds. One hundreds don't scare me the way they used to. They seem so short. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the gotta run racing podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not-so-average runners. And they're off. Hello, hello. Wow, we are back with another Gotta Run Racing podcast. Feels like forever since we've done this. (laughs) Yeah, we are relearning everything. Well, it's been a busy summer and we just wrapped up our Gotta Run Racing events with Island Lake Classic. And I just wanted to say thank you to all of our participants, volunteers, and community partners for an awesome season. And we look forward to what's happening in 2024. Yeah, good things are coming. (laughs) (laughs) But we have another event we're doing that we're helping out in Peterborough. Oh, that's right. So the Monarch Ultra 10K is taking place on Sunday, October 15th. It's actually a festival, running festival and conservation, education, fun festival to raise awareness for the plight of the monarch butterflies. It's something I've been involved with for a couple years now. And we decided this year to do a local event. So if you're in the area, check it out at themonarchultra.com. And when is that again? October 15th. Nice. We will be there. Yes. And who's on the podcast today? Well, today we have Jocelyn Briggs. She's a 47-year-old, originally from Halliburton, now living in Whitby, Whitby, rather. She's a personal trainer coach. You can find her on her website at thinkwhatyouwant.ca. And we'll be chatting with her about her experience at Hard Rock, where she got in with just one ticket. Yep. And recently, she completed the inaugural Divide 200 Miler out west. So we can't wait to talk to her about that. And you can check her out on her YouTube channel, Jocelyn Briggs, where she chats about her epic adventures and more. All of this will be in our show notes. Cool. So without further ado, here is Jocelyn coming up. Welcome to the podcast and congratulations on your amazing summer that we're going to (laughs) cover. Thank you for having me. This is fun. (laughs) And it's kind of a funny story how we met without really knowing it until you signed up to volunteer at one of our events because you needed ultra event hours for hard rock right yeah I, and we didn't know that i had actually spoken to you many times <laughs> yeah so back in the day when we both worked for running free you were yeah. in ajax we were in orangeville we would talk to each other over the phone about doing store transfers <laughs> and as soon as i put the connection together i knew your voice your voice is so recognizable. I knew it right away. Yeah. <laughs> what a small world, especially because researching for the podcast, I looked back over some of the races that you've done and you and I did the 50 miler at North Face together, same year, 2017. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And of course you've done Creamore, which Norm's done in the past. That's so we're always circling each other, but we've never <laughs> actually... We're at the same event. Well, yeah, yeah, besides North Face, but we never... I think really... we were at Zion the same year, too. Really? really? 
think so. I was thinking about that. You guys, I was, I think I might've been listening to your podcast and you were talking about having, didn't you have a group there and an aid station or something? I don't know where I put that connection together, but I was there and I don't remember what year I DNF'd though that year. <laughs> I did not finish. That. We were yeah. at Zion 2017. That's probably about, about right. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, 17 Zion. And I was at Bryce on 17 as well. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Funny. Small world. Small world <laughs> sure is. So you're just a, what would you like 13 days off of the divide? Um, I, I, we started on the Friday, the 11th or 12th, something like that. So yeah, about, about that probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's Friday today. Yeah. <laughs> Barely know what day it is anymore. <laughs> uh, so two weeks today, I guess two weeks ago today, we started the race. And how are you feeling? I'm feeling really good. Um, actually my body felt really good right after. I found that with both 200s I've done that I didn't have the same muscular breakdown somehow as a 100 does. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure why. I have a couple theories. I think part of it is there's a lot more hiking involved in a 200. But there's also sleep. There's also resets. I like to call Mm -hmm. them resets um, intermittently throughout where your body, even though it's a short reset it gets to somewhat heal as you go right in fact it was really interesting at divide we noticed a lot of us had a lot of like a rash like a heat rash under our socks the first day uh-huh. at the end it was gone i had chafing that was that healed it was interesting that the body can actually heal some of the things that it goes through in a 200 whereas a hundred you're kind of often hitting the apex of the problems before it's over kind of like a lot of us who've maybe done marathons in the past where you finish a marathon and you feel like garbage and you can't imagine ever going another step but you get into ultras and realize you get over that hump and through it yeah and so 200s are sort of seeming that way as well where you actually get through the problems onto another problem But yeah, like the body almost now this is coming from a mid packer, not an elite, right? Like I'm not an elite. So everything's probably slightly different from my perspective than somebody who's running at the front of the pack. But um, yeah, physically, I felt really good. The The thing that takes a little is the feet get a little bit more beaten up. Mm. It just takes a little longer to catch up on sleep. I was having two naps a day for the first well up until recently i think yesterday's the first day i made it through a day without a nap (laughs) (laughs) well we could talk about 200 but first let's go back and talk about hard rock yeah and you got in with one ticket this time but you had a journey towards hard rock before this this one ticket can you tell us about the journey before you got finally got in yeah, and and it wasn't so much that I got in with one ticket. Um, and, and I don't know that a lot of people realize this, and I didn't realize this when I put my name in with that one ticket, that I think this has changed recently. Um, your previous tickets carry forward. Yeah. So like in Western states, if you miss a year of application, you go back to ground zero again, right? Whereas with Hard Rock, my previous tickets from many years ago that I had put in, And I want to say I had six or seven from probably a decade ago. I I don't know exactly. I had stopped putting my name in. 
And then I had run a qualifier and thought, oh, what the heck, I'll throw my name in and start the process again. But I didn't realize the process carried forward. Mm, okay. So it's not it's not so much that I got in off one ticket. However, I did get off uh, in off of six or seven and I had no intentions of getting in when I put my name in the law. Like, I literally promised my husband uh, that's I don't know if that's what you're referring to, but I I am forbidden to race in July um, in my family. July is off limits because we have three boys that play um, high level baseball. And July is like the whole season crushed into one month. And so there is no time for me to take off in July. And so I had said to my husband in the fall, I'm going to put my name in hard rock and just start the process again so that I can build up my, my tickets. (laughs) And I will never forget it still seems surreal. And I've already gone there the day that I got the confirmation email. And I thought that can't be right. It it must be a confirmation email that I applied and didn't get in. There's no way that I actually got in. I was at a friend's house about to go in and I was cat sitting. And then, so I thought, well, I'm going to go check my credit card statement because if I got in, there would be a, you know, a, a fee <laughs> and there was the fee. And then I went to the website and I saw my name on the entrance list. And I, I still remember I screamed. My son was sitting with me in the truck and I, I screamed. I could not believe it. And he said, what was wrong? And I said, oh my God, I got into hard rock. I still, it still seems so surreal to me because hard rock is so, um, it was a dream of mine many years ago. And I had, given up on that dream because of a number of sort of just physical adversities. I got old basically. And <laughs> yeah. Like I, and I never, I went through some physical challenges, which really just relate to aging. I think a lot of people can relate to this where I just didn't feel like I could run the way I could at that time. And so anything, I didn't even know if I could finish a hundred ever again, let alone do something like hard rock where you, there's so many obstacles and, and adversity. And I thought, well, maybe one day I'll go and I'll do like a three or four day fast packing just to see and experience the course and the area. And um, it's funny how the universe works because Bigfoot last year was my return, my coming out of retirement. But the reason I chose to do Bigfoot was because I was scared to do another hundred. I had DNF'd or I just had so many, I hadn't been able to finish a hundred in so long. And I had a lot of mental um, blocks, I guess, and fears around the hundred mile distance. And so I didn't want to do a hundred mile and have something to compare to what I used to be. So I needed something completely different and something new and fresh where I, I couldn't compare my old self to my current self. And the 200 mile distance sort of seemed like, and and I thought I could walk a lot of it. So, and I knew that I could finish it in my mind. I thought I could finish it being slow and, and have problems and have time to get through them. And so that's why I signed up for Bigfoot. And, you know, I thought I, there was no planning to get into hard rock. It was just to put my name in. The fact that you finished Bigfoot, did that give you confidence for hard rock? Yes and no. Um, it gave me confidence that I could endure again. And it gave me confidence that there was some grit still in me. But Bigfoot went really well. It was one of those races where 
not that there wasn't, there was definitely problems. <laughs> the whole first half of Bigfoot, I was looking for some reason to drop. I, I, I didn't actually really plan to finish Bigfoot. I just thought I'd see how far I could get. <laughs> and um, somewhere probably midway through Bigfoot, I realized I can finish this. And my mindset shifted during Bigfoot. But there was a point in Bigfoot where, um, <laughs> I mean, I'd been seeking a reason for probably a day and a half, a good valid reason, and nothing was materializing. And I had a bit of a hernia. I have a bit of a hernia. I think that's pretty common. And it started to sort of, it's going to sound weird, but you know, it started to sort of protrude. Mm. And I thought, oh, this is bad. This is really bad. My dad's at the aid station. There's no way my dad's going to let me go on. I mentioned it to my friend, Kathy, who was pacing me at the time. And she said, well, I think you can just put tape around it. <laughs> and I thought, what kind of friend are you? And then I mentioned it to another pacer. And he said, well, why don't we talk to the medics and we'll see what they say. And in the back of my head, I thought, I, I'm just going to I'm just going to talk to my dad because he's not going to let me go on with a hernia. Like, that's not sensible. What is happening here? I mentioned it to my dad and he said, Oh, I, I think that's pretty common. I think you can just keep it up. And, <laughs> in. and it's like, what a disappointment my dad is in this moment. And so, <laughs> you know, and it, it's true. The medic said the same thing. So if anybody ever struggles with a hernia in a race, like it's not a big deal. Apparently, <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> but tape on me like a corset and it never bothered me again. And I finished the race. So did it give me confidence? It did but I still wasn't too sure about the hundred mile distance. And I, I think I went into hard rock knowing I had the grit and the strength and the climbing ability. I Bigfoot's a ton of climbing. And at the end of Bigfoot, I was still very much willing to climb. I still had climbing legs left. So I was confident in my climbing for hard rock. And I was confident in my, I think my mindset, but I got to hard rock. So, so to answer your question, yes, I think it did give me the confidence, but I found out hard rock is the, a whole different beast. I don't know, not to really get, let that get into your head. Mm. And so like I knew hard rock was going to be really hard, of course, but was it going to be harder than Bigfoot? Like Bigfoot, they talk about Bigfoot, like it's super hard, right? So I thought, well, if I can do 200 miles of hard, I can probably get through 100 miles of hard. Right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, we live in a flat land, and we did discuss this at Fiddle when we finally met. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we're in the same situation. How are you going to train for hard walk? Well, Norm, how are you going to train for UTMB? I go, I don't know. <laughs> and, and the climbing part actually is the easy part. It's the descending part. That's the hard part, right? For, for me, that's my thinking is always the descending is what's going to do the damage, not just to your legs, but to your insides, to your organs. And that's what I was more afraid of. Climbing tends to be my strength. I would say I'm not a fast runner. And so I do tend to pick mountainous runs because I feel like it's a bit of an equalizer to some degree. Like you right. put me in a fast flat hundred. No, I'm going to stink. I, I like to climb. I'm a, I always joke. I'm a bit of a sturdier build and that lends itself well to climbing. I do a ton of strength training because I think strength training is really important with when you're climbing a lot yep. and to hold your body together later 
in the event. Mm. And I just went up and down little hills over and over and over again. Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, 58 repeats of a hill locally that I did. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know how I kept count of that. I must have had, I think I drew lines in the dirt at the top every time oh. and then crossed them at 10 because I just, I just set a time period. All you can do in the flatland is go up and down yeah. or use a treadmill. But the problem with a treadmill is you don't get the descending. That's right. Right. That's right. But also you're killing two birds with one stone, because if you're not mentally tough after doing something 58 times, <laughs> I don't know how else to get more mentally tough. It's true. Yeah. It's monotonous. Right. Yeah. 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 So now what about altitude? Had you had you no? Yeah. Uh, that's what another. killed me. Honestly, I really think that's I've never really felt the way I felt at Hard Rock before. But the thing with Hard Rock is you never actually come down from altitude. Right. You're, you descend to like, you're at 11, 12, 13,000 a lot. Yeah. So that, you know, in hindsight, like that wears on you. I think the other thing that really I struggled with was the technicality of the course. The course is technical, like I've never seen before. There's really very little gimme miles at mm. Hard Rock where, you know, any other course I've done, there's sections where you can make up a little bit of time. I'm not sure if UTMB isn't similar in that regard. Like the descents, you, I could not make up time. The descents were like shale or like the kind of sand that slips out from under. Really? Like, like there was, I really struggled with the descending at Hard Rock. I think I was slower going down than I was going up. And there's the two different directions, of course, the the ladders and the ramps. And we were ascending the ramps and descending the ladders. So the descents were were sharper and the ascents were, which is good, I think, in the sense of coming from the flatlands, you can grind up a, an ascent like that, whereas an ascent that's a, a ladder is, is, I mean, all the ascents were really steep. It would when they say it's up and down, it it literally is up and down. You're either ascending or descending. <laughs> so there was no miles where I could Yep. <laughs> yeah. Right? Or, yeah. or relax or cruise. Other than the one road, which I was really looking forward to. I want to say it was a 14 kilometer long or 18. I can't remember now. I think it's Camp Bird Road, I think it's called. It was hell. <laughs> I came in and I thought, okay, it's going to be 14 miles of, or sorry, 14 kilometers of, of road, of dirt road that you're climbing at, the, at, a, at a road like ramp. And it was also a Jeep road. So there was Jeeps flying by like oh kicking up the dirt. Yep. It was hot. This was the hottest year. One of the hottest years I think they've ever had on record. Oh. It, it was awful. Like it was just mentally yeah, horrible. I hated that section. And I had thought that would be the section I was going to gain some some time because it was a road. So I right. think opposite direction coming down that road, you can you can cruise, oh, but nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, it's up and it's down and your heart rate is so high. Well, it sounds like a challenge. <laughs> challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, just for a sec, I want to go back to the start line and the experience the experience of being at that race with Courtney and Annie Hughes and all these amazing athletes. You're there. You didn't think you were going to get there so soon. 
how did you feel like was it a pinch me moment was it surreal it was so surreal just even driving up and over you drive up and over this rise and then descend into Silverton and you see the town and I remember that feeling very surreal and then you drive into the town I remember seeing the finish line shoot <laughs> that you I've seen on I think I've watched every YouTube video that there is on hard rock multiple times <laughs> that in that finished line shoot it was so much smaller than I thought yeah. it looked so big <laughs> in the videos it was so little um to, to go inside the school the whole thing felt unreal I couldn't stop smiling like I've never felt like that at a race before and yeah you see I mean there was Courtney DeWalter and Dylan Bowman and just the whole thing was so surreal like I couldn't believe I was there and I felt just so grateful to have the experience and spoiler alert I didn't I didn't finish I timed out at mile 85 and there's a part of me that's you know, sad about that because it's hard rock. You you want to cross that finish line, but there's also a part of me that is so grateful to have done 85 miles and, and, and experienced everything that I did. And that road that I was talking about, the 14 kilometer road is just before you do the climb to Kroger's mm -hmm. in that direction. And I said, if I'm not going to cross the finish line, like I want to get to Kroger's because again, I mean, there's literally videos just on that aid station. Oh. And that was another highlight moment was, and then at the top, it's surreal to step into that aid station, you know, with the tent and Joe Grant is there. <laughs> Joe Grant has got to be the coolest guy. Cool. Just emanate from every pore in that guy's body. Like he's just. <laughs> I had to take a picture with him and then they had pot stickers, which were amazing. <laughs> Try to get my butt down the other side. And I said to the volunteers, like, how do you get down this? Like it's this on the other side, but that loose scree sand, oh. I went down on my butt because there was, I, I don't know how else you would go down. Um, right. I'm not good with technical descents as it is really anymore, but yeah, I just slid down on my butt until I got down that. Well, most people dream about this experience that you had, but even though you did not finish, it's unfortunate. However, what is your takeaway of Hard Rock? On the flight home, what was your reflection of Hard Rock? Again, just enormous gratitude to be part of such a legendary event. There's such a prestigious race, yet they operate with the utmost humility in providing the runners the most um it's like they're there right, to serve yeah. us put the runners first versus i'm be there which i didn't yeah. expect because that race they don't have to do anything because people are just want to be do that race so bad but yet they they've created this community um and this level of service which i i imagine that's what western states is like but western states is so big so we're talking 140 runners and they just pour into those 140 runners in every way, way, shape, or form. And Norm, I imagine you experienced this at Western States, and it's it's really unusual, but you come into an aid station and there is like two or three volunteers on you. Yes. They watch you eat. 
because yes. they want to get they want to get you more food. They want to do they're there to serve you. Yeah. One of their missions is to ensure that every single runner has access to every food option, no matter what. Wow. They make an enormous amount of food so that they know that if you're the last place runner, you're not left with what's left. You are going mm-hmm. to get the exact same choice. It's, That's fantastic. It's unreal to try to do that. It's not efficient, right? Like it's not... Mm-hmm budget friendly, but yet that's, that's their pledge to each runner. Like if there's watermelon at the first one, there's going to be watermelon at, at the last one. I was hoping for some homemade pie in UTMB at an aid station and there was none there. It's, it's soul crushing to be honest, right? That's always been a pet peeve of mine. I remember my husband, who's not really a runner. Um, he's a big guy and he did his first half marathon and I won't name the race organization they were they had disassembled the finish line by the time that's torture for a race organization of that sort of magnitude to be that committed to each and every runner's experience like that you know literally their goal is to make that experience the best experience a lot of reflection after as to what did i do wrong could i have done anything differently um did i execute wrong and to be honest, I think the only couple things that I come up with is I would train differently now that I know, but I couldn't have known that before. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to beat myself up about something I didn't know. But when I get in again, <laughs> yeah. I I definitely have a few things I would do differently in training. If you're looking for a pacer. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing too, is there's so many volunteers. There's so many people hanging around ready to pace. It's just like Western States, right? People just, just want to go and be there. Well, let's switch gears to the divide. I'm so curious because either I'm forgetting or you hadn't already signed up for the divide when we saw you in June, knowing that Hard Rock was also on your plate. I signed up for the divide because I wasn't supposed to get into Hard Rock. Ah, we thought Hard Rock was a was a training run. <laughs> it was a training run. Hard Rock, it hundred percent was a training run because I figured if I finished Hard Rock, I mean, even eighty five miles counts as enough training. I think for <laughs> I figured my training for Hard Rock and then running Hard Rock would be would feed divide. I didn't want to think about two races. A lot of people have asked me that because I didn't talk about divide. So nobody knew. So a lot of people, I think, thought that I signed up as a redemption race because I I was signed up for divide prior to getting into Hard Rock. I got into Hard Rock and then they held the lottery for divide and I got into that too. And I just, (laughs) I thought they complemented each other well. So I would go ahead and do both, but I was not going to think about divide until after hard rock. So I, mm. I gave it no thought literally so much so that nobody knew I was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. When did you first hear about the divide? I must've seen it on Facebook and uh, yeah, I don't even remember how I got connected with that. I don't know if I follow maybe the sinister accounts or something and saw them launching the first 200. Yeah, the divide seemed like the perfect next 200 because it was another mountain 200. Um, I was mm-hmm. hesitant in a sense because I've never done a race the first year. Um, and I've right. said yes. because there's all kinds of things yep. that go wrong. And I put my name in the lottery and I left it up to the universe to decide if I was supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. I, got, I got in, so 
that's why. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, what was the atmosphere like at the race? The beginning of the race. Yeah. Of the divide. Yep. Yeah. Excited. People were really excited. It was a lot of Canadians, predominantly mm-hmm. Canadians, a lot of people who do those events, they're the sinister or uh, is it sinister sports, right? So they have sinister, yes. the Canadian death race. So a lot of people that have done those events. Okay. Yeah. I That's who I sort of spoke. There was only a hundred entrants. That's mm. their cap. And I think right. maybe 89 or 90 started. Mm. Nice. It was really nice because it started and finished at Castle Mountain Resort. Mm-hmm. So I've never had the luxury of staying right at the start finish before. Normally I'm driving. I think I had a 40 minute drive to Hard Rock. Most ultras I find I end up, I don't camp usually. So like, <laughs> but how far were you from the start of UTMB? But it starts at 6 p.m., right? Does- oh, we walked to the start line. 10 minute walk. Oh, no. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, you did Black Spur, which is another Sinister Sports, and our resort was at the start finish line. It was amazing. Yeah. And for your pacers and your family and your crew, amazing. Yeah. So yeah, just excitement. The weather is perfect. So that's that's nice. Um, I hate I'll I'll be <laughs> I don't like the start of races. I hate the <laughs> races, actually. And I hate I shouldn't say hate, that's a strong word. I don't love the first chunk. It, it kind of goes back to the fact that I'm not a fast runner. I do right. well once once we're all suffering, that's when I tend to do a little bit better or like it's an equalizer. But when everyone is fresh, I thought, and we had a long flat road to run to start. And I thought, I'm, mm. I'm going to be last for sure. I'm going to be last. And sure enough, the very first aid station, I think was around 12 kilometers. And I didn't realize it, but there was a guy that, pointed it out to me and I I thanked him (laughs) this is the last runner as I came in and I thought oh my god I'm I'm dead last (laughs) but all you can do is all you can do is go up that's all I'm gonna say (laughs) so I thought well I don't know why everyone's in such a hurry but everyone's in a hurry at the first part of the race and it it gets it don't know why (laughs) and I, I tend to be a steady, like a steady runner. So eventually it it evens out, but I, everyone just seems so fresh and fit and fast. And I always feel like that first little bit, I don't feel like that, you know, but then once we settle in, that's where I feel like mm. we're all on the same page. I don't know if that right. makes sense. So I, I don't like yeah. the start line of races usually. <laughs> Especially when you have 200 miles ahead of you, because you know that this is just the beginning of many, many, many hours. (laughs) Yeah. And it doesn't count because you're fresh, you feel good. And that's not really what the race is about. Very little of the race. Are you going to feel like that? Was your DNF playing on your mind at all? Or had you just come to terms with it? And now it's a new event, whole different distance. Have you checked out our virtual series yet? We Run the North. Celebrating Canada's national parks features a total of 13 10-kilometer challenges, one for each province and territory. How many national parks can you name? Well, there's Algonquin, and then there's Banff, and then that's it? Anyways, medals that connect, license plate-style bibs, and cool swag can be yours. Visit gotterunracing.com for more details. It 
it shook my confidence a little bit because I think one of the mistakes that I made with Hard Rock is I tried to run it like a 200, meaning Mm. I tried to, I probably held back. I tried to hold back too much in the beginning. Now, having said that, I felt like I was working right from the beginning. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I don't know that I could have pushed more because I felt like I was working hard. I remember getting to the first aid station and thinking like, holy crap, I feel like I feel like I've run 50K already. And I've that's how I felt throughout the whole thing. It felt mm-hmm. so much harder. And that I would say in hindsight was the altitude. You're just everything's more work. But I it was playing on my mind in the divide because I think I just was, wor- yeah, I was worried. And then I'm last place. <laughs> I'm, I'm last. <laughs> and the first section of the divide is, they said, the first two sections are the hardest, the, the, the most climbing. Yes. Tell us about the first 24 hours. Yeah. The Kulat Ridge, you climb up, up, up onto the Kulat Ridge and you run along the ridge line. And then you summit, I think, Table Mountain and uh, Whistler Mountain. Maybe. I'm good with details, but I was ex- I was excited about this part because we were going to go up into the mountains and then run through the mountains, which mm. I was excited to enjoy. And a lot of people had that in their heads, like they were worried. So it's funny because that was the part I was looking the most forward to. Um, but it was going to be the slowest for sure, because there was a ton of climbing and then you ran along the ridge and then you came down, then you climbed again. I couldn't see my crew until... I want to say 70, almost 70 kilometers. Wow. Yeah. And then I couldn't have a pacer till 135 kilometers. So I was going to be doing that all alone. And so that worked out to being a day, a night and a day. The first 24 hours. So I took my time. I started passing people once we started on the climb and and the ridge. And I remember, I think it was Table Mountain. Ridge lines are hard to mark, right? Because there's not trees and actually I struggled at hard rock too with markings at night and up high if you're shining your light right on them you can see them but if you're sure where to go you're not necessarily shining your light right on them so (laughs) if you're going the right way you're good but if you're if you're a little off you're not right the first 24 hours how I like to break down a 200 is and this works really well for me mentally is day night days and nights And I like to plan to be out there longer because it sucks to find out you're going to be out there longer while you're out there. Like that gets (laughs) plays with you mentally, Norm. But like, if I think I'm going to be out there 30 hours and it's going to be 36, that six hours feels like a week, right? Like it, it really can play on me mentally. So I'd rather plan for 36 and then find out it's only going to be 30. So I planned for 96 hours out there. Bigfoot took me 96 and a, and a half. So I thought I'd be really happy if I could run it a little bit faster. And so mm. that's how I broke it down is like night, day, night, day, four of each, right? The first night as sun went down, we were, we were crusting table mountain and it was so windy and I was so scared. <laughs> I was by myself. It was dark. I couldn't see markings. The footing was terrible. Probably one of the most sketchiest descents I think I've ever gone down, even having been at Hard Rock. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And it was, it was slow, but I came into the aid station. Of course, my crew had been hearing all of this prior to me coming. So I was a little behind schedule coming in that first night. Now I read your recap on Instagram. I loved what you said about the red shorts because, okay, you had your period and you had to wear these red shorts and it, okay, we're both a similar age and we know what happens towards the end of our (laughs) period stages. And it's awful. If you don't know what I'm talking about, ask your female friends. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) I'm so uncomfortable right now. (laughs) Well, you know what? This is important because this is another element that we have to deal with that is huge. It plays a huge role in our performance. And for you to have to deal with this in a race of this magnitude, I felt so bad for you when I I was so mad. And no, I'm an open book. Um, there's not much I won't talk about. <laughs> like, I'm just, like, I can't believe I put that on social media. But that's me. I thank goodness I it had started the day before. Mm. Otherwise, I would have had no idea and I would not have been prepared uh, whatsoever. And yeah, I'm 47 years old and I haven't really had one since April. So now this is the day that it decides to appear. (laughs) Of course. So I had brought some supplies out with me, thankfully, not that many, I don't know how graphic and honest you want me to be, but I'll try to not to be. But I thought I almost wore these light peach shorts because oh, no. I thought it's the first day. This is the day I'm going to be the cleanest of the four days that I'm going to be out there. I'll wear my pretty, my light colors, and then I'll go to my blacks and blues and stuff. I wore those red shorts at Hard Rock and I've kind of deemed them my good luck shorts, even though I didn't finish hard rock, but I had a great day. Right. So I'm like, I, and I had no problems. I had no chafing. I had had no issues. So I thought, no, I'm going to go with the red shorts. And like, thank God, because the second, that was the second day. So it could go either way. It could dwindle out and be not a problem. It went the other way. Of course. With a vengeance. Like I can't even tell you. And I think it was an hour or two in. I'm like, oh my God, I need to change. <laughs> well, I'm I'm in the back country. There's or I, and there's bears. I don't have an yeah. until 70k, like a real aid station. 70k. How does this attract animals? Like I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm sure hormones are different during that. Oh my gosh. I was so I was so angry that I was dealing with it, but I was so glad that I had worn my red shorts because I thought <laughs> nobody can really tell yeah because there was a lot of overflow let's call it because I couldn't keep up it was constant and I was running with a guy at one point that said to me he commented about just the challenge of peeing and I looked at him and I was like (laughs) dude (laughs) and then he said oh I guess it's harder for you I'm like you have no idea how hard it is today to do anything of that nature like <laughs> sidebar stacy sims podcast hit play not pause uh-huh. if you haven't checked it out it's all menopause based and women dealing with menopause with athletic performance is amazing if i could just say because this is something i feel really passionate about right now 
I'm in, I'm 47. I would say my peak years for ultra running or athlete, quote unquote, again, like I'm a, I used to be a high performing mid packer. (laughs) (laughs) And then the bottom came out and it took me a lot of years. I didn't think I would ever kind of get back to that former version of myself, you know, so I sort of joked I was retired from ultra running or I was a rich, you know, my glory years are behind me. And I know a lot of women that age feel that way. Mm-hmm. We feel like our best years are behind us. Um, we feel like we're just sort of mitigating aging, the aging process. And this year, like 2023, and it, and I think it all started with getting into hard rock, funny enough, because when I got that confirmation, I knew the only chance I would have to go run at hard rock was to do everything that I had control over to Anything that I had control over, I had to do to put myself in the best. So I had no confidence in my abilities or or anything like that. But I thought, is if there's anything I can do, I got to do it because this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And so it put me in a different mindset. I quit drinking. I changed my diet as of January 1st. Mm-hmm. And those two things, and I'm not saying that you have to do it. Well, diet is... Diet is tremendously impactful in terms of our aging process. Diet, strength training, and mobility. And I, if if I hadn't gotten into hard rock, I don't know that I would have made those choices because Mm. I didn't have a strong enough why to make those changes. I feel better than I did back in those glory years, so to speak. And so all of a sudden now I feel like the future, I can do anything again. And I haven't felt like that in probably 10 or 12 years. And that was, and and I just, I want women to know, especially middle-aged women, that it's not that life is over. It's just that we have to live differently, but we Mm -hmm. can still have that quality of life and we can still achieve enormous things. But I had given up for years. I had just given up and sort of accepted that I'm just, I, I don't know that I would have ever done a hundred again. Um, And now, you know, I made those changes sort of December, December, 2022, December, January, 2023. And very quickly when I changed my diet and cut out alcohol, like all the inflammation left my body, Mm. which was huge. Right. And it's just been kind of a whirlwind ever since, but I'm so passionate about speaking that message to women and really our best years are ahead of us. We, we have, we can have the physical strength in a different way, but we have the wisdom of age, um, the humility from age. And when you, you know, pair those together, we can actually better than we were in our twenties and thirties. So exactly, exactly. I love it. I love it. Wow. Back to the divide. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, I, that's kind of where I wanted to go by bringing that up because it's just another thing that maybe isn't talked about all the time. And and your feelings of, well, if I'm not going to win my age group, potentially, then why am I participating? But your why focus can completely shift, but be just as rewarding, right? Yeah. And I don't know what the future holds for, for me personally, but I feel more hope than I felt. You know, I'm not looking through races and goals thinking, 
Um, can I do that anymore? I'm thinking, yeah, heck yeah, I can do that. What am I going to do to do it? Right. And that's a great feeling. And I've been chasing that feeling. I had chased it for years and given up on it. Um, Mm. so, you know, that's another point of gratitude that I have for hard rock. Cause I have hard rock to thank for kind of changing my life in, in a lot of ways. Cause I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have given up alcohol for anything else. <laughs> like I wouldn't raise the bar. For, I wouldn't have raised the bar for myself. Right. So right. I raised the bar for myself and realized, holy, I, I have a lot still in me and divide. I finished in just under 85 hours. And I think I was, I, I mean, I don't like to look the standings because there were so few people in them. I was probably about mid pack eighth female but it gave me hope um, because I'm not last. I was last at the first aid station and I was mid pack by the end. And mm-hmm. I think like, what can I do if I cannot be lost at the beginning? <laughs> maybe, I don't that. Like, maybe I don't have to go out that conservatively. Just the execution of divide. I learned a lot of things about myself and I think there's a lot more in me in terms of the 200s. And I want to try hundreds again and see if I can kind of get better at 100s. 100s don't scare me the way they used to. They seem so short now. (laughs) 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 Which is a really cool feeling, but it's a great reminder for any goal that we set for ourselves is I love Bob Proctor. I did a training course with him and he used to say, like, if you want to make a goal look achievable, then you just compare it to a bigger goal. Right. And so, you know, there's people you want to make a 200 look achievable. You just look at bigger things that are people are doing. People do way bigger things. Yep. So it's really not that big of a deal. I tend to get really wrapped up in and consumed with the the bigness of things. Mm-hmm. Even Hard Rock was a 48 hour cu- cutoff. I thought it's still so short. It's a day and night and day and some more, you know, whereas that book prior would have really gotten in my head because I'd never done it. I mean, even you, Norm, like you've done 48 hours now, like not 48, but you've done the better part of two days. You're like, okay, yeah. I can do a 24 hour race. It's not that big a deal, right? Like, and, and this is what life is about, right? Is wrapping your head around bigger things because everything's just perspective. Everything's just comparing something to something else. Yeah. Divide. I finished, you know, I was expecting to do 96 hours hoping, hoping to break 90. That was my secret goal that I didn't tell anybody. (laughs) I didn't tell anybody. And then I ended up doing just under 85. So that's given me a lot of confidence that I think there's still a lot of room for improvement with the 200 and hopefully improvement back to the 100 as well. So I was like the one for the speed training for the two. (laughs) Yeah, so take us back to the last 10 hours, knowing that you're going to make this time. How was the last 10 hours of the divide? Well, if you read my race recaps, the last 10 hours, was it 10 hours? It was the last 47K. (laughs) The bottom came out (laughs) mentally. Oh, I realized something with the the multi days, I don't like the second, the first and second day. I 
ran, jogged the better part of the next two sections, which were, it amounted to about uh, 80 kilometers. So the first section was with my pacer Kathleen and the second section was with my daughter who one of the most magical parts of the whole race was summiting. I think it was Kootenai Pass as the sun was just starting to rise. So you could just start to see the shape of the mountains. Oh, it was so magical. We had been told at the last aid station that that next section was just hideously awful. They said it's going to be the worst ascent of the course, five kilometers of horrible, treacherous technical ascent, and then five Mm. kilometers of, okay, I'm glad I know. Let's go. So Renell and I left my daughter. She's 22, almost 23. And I don't know, we just started talking and we were talking, 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 talking like this, right? Talking about life and deep stuff. And all of a sudden, somebody behind me came up and said, is this the top? And I said, oh, no, I don't think so. I think we have a ways to go still. But it was the top. Mm -hmm. So we were at the top of this horrible ascent before we even knew it. And then we went down. I was like, okay, well, here comes the hard part, the the descent, (laughs) which it was. It was laughable. I couldn't do anything but laugh because it was absolute ridiculousness. It was (laughs) still... It started with shale. So basically a shale slide that you just dig into because it's almost like digging digging into quicksand, but instead of quicksand, it's shale, it sinks underneath you and you're going down and then you're going down like a freshly cut tray. It was, it was just ridiculous, but it was, couldn't have been more than a couple hundred meters, 300 meters, four, maybe five. Oh, okay. I was expecting that to go on for five kilometers. So we're not <laughs> at the bottom of that. And we, we took off. So anyways, that section went really well. The section before before went really well. And then there was about 15 and a half kilometers of gentle kind of downhill dirt road, which Mm. I was determined to run that because it was runnable. And I thought there's no reason not to. I'm not, I'm not really hurting. I'm just kind of tired and mentally you just want to stop running sometimes. That's not an excuse. I'm going to keep running. And then it kind of occurred to me that the next section was like that as well. And it was 28 kilometers. And I thought to myself, I can't run for another 30 kilometers. I've been running for the better part of 80K now, but the bulk of it, right? Like I, I'm tapped out. I need a mountain. Like I need to climb something. Like I, <laughs> like I can't run. And that kind of got into my head a little bit. And then I kind of dismissed it, but I came into the aid station. So we had 47 kilometers left to go. 28 kilometers of that was going to be this dirt road. And then, and then we had to go up and over the final pass to the finish. And I don't know what happened, but my mind just quit on me. I did not want to take, we started down this road and I'm like adding this up and I'm thinking that's 43 kilometers of dirt road. That's over a marathon, <laughs> the end of a 200 miler. And I don't know, I could not, I don't think anybody thought of it the way I thought of it, but I could not. I can't believe you could still do math. Um, yeah. because I think I asked Kathy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was the hardest 28K of my life. It was, I, and it, so it was morning now and the sun was coming up. So it's like those backcountry dirt roads, like that we have, it would have been like running your race that I volunteered <laughs> for 28 kilometers. The sun is beating down on you. There's yes. reprieve. It was hot. 
and the heat makes you tired. And it was my feet were now hurting. Like I, I swore my feet were blistered everywhere. They just felt I felt like I was running on glass. They just felt blistered everywhere. And so every footstep, like you can't take your attention off your feet hitting the ground. And I, I, poor Kathy always seems to get my lows. And I didn't know I wanted to cry. I wanted to scream. I, I, there was this poor man that we had passed that had chafing bad bad crotch chafing like he was he had gotten off a horse and I kept thinking of him and slow and I thought oh my god it's gonna take that guy hours to do this road well I don't care it's still gonna take me a long time and like I was like I just I just could not wrap my head around hours on that road so I kept trying to think like how can I manage these thoughts and eventually I I had a bit of a tantrum. I was kind of mad because I thought I want to call Chris. I just want to call my husband and I need it. I need a distraction. There was nothing to distract me on that road. Mm. I tried listening to music. I got really angry and started running hard. (laughs) I don't know what pace I was doing. Not very fast, but much faster than I had been. So my solution was I, I really just wanted to talk to Chris and I wanted him. Chris will babble on about baseball (laughs) not read the room that I don't want to hear about it anymore and I think that's what I need I need Chris to just babble about baseball or something and I'll just listen or not listen I don't care I just need something and I'm in Canada and like I said at the beginning of call like how we almost never race in Canada so you never can call people because you never have service in another country right so you don't have the ability to use your phone and I'm like I'm finally racing in Canada there's no freaking service out here I can't call (laughs) anyone I kept going on my phone and it just kept saying SOS and I got so mad and I thought (laughs) I'm gonna just pretend to call him so I turned on my video and I just started talking to my phone and pretended he was on the other side and recorded like it was like a three or four minute video (laughs) and it worked it it snapped because by the end of it I snapped out of it because I kept trying to envision what he would say in, in return and right. I felt so much better. I actually sent him that video. I actually posted that video. It's like, it's a bit. Oh, you did? Oh, I'll have to go it, back and look for that. Yeah, I'm all over the place. I'm making no sense. And I'm just talking <laughs> to myself. And Kathy was just ahead of me. And Chris thought that was funny. He said, I, it looks like Kathy's trying to get away from you. I'm like, I know. <laughs> she probably was. And it it kind of just, it kind of settled me down. And I... I said to Kathy, I'm going to lay down for just, just two minutes. I just want to take my feet off the ground for a minute and put them up in a tree. <laughs> they fell out of the tree. I didn't care. <laughs> and we broke down. We still had 7K of that road at this point, 11K up the pass, and then 7K to the finish. So mm-hmm. that's what I latched onto, 7, 11, 7. I said, I'm not thinking about the 11 and seven. I'm only thinking about the seven. All I have to do is seven K. That's all I'm focused. So I hyper-focused on that seven K and we started counting that down and the aid station showed up. I thought it was a mirage, but it was the, I cried. I cried when I saw the aid station (laughs) because uh, that road just got into my head. It's funny how these things get into your head. Not people looked at me like I had three heads when I, complained about that road I think a lot of people enjoyed it but to me it was the monotony like you're ready to be done and the the monotony and there's no distraction and you just know there's hours ahead I just got sucked into that mental vortex and we climbed 
the last 11 K and a lot of it was through bushes, bushes like that. Oh no. Yeah. Kathy hates that. She hates being touched by foliage (laughs) (laughs) because I was like running, trying to get under it. And I didn't care because I was sort of climbing again. And then, and then we got to the top and again, it was one of those moments we got to the top of the pass and the sun was just starting to set. And so we're surrounded by, and I had an emotional moment because, you know, my best friend is there with me and that was a rough, rough section. And here we are, we get this incredible sunset in the mountains at the top of the mountain pass. And that was just kind of like a reminder, like, this is why we do this. This is why I do this. So I love this and that's seven kilometers or so to get to the finish. I just got to get down this pass and, and it's going to happen. And we're we're doing this. So. Wow. Big congrats on finishing under 85 hours. What's next? What's next? I'm looking, you know, my dream, (laughs) Norm, and you're going to laugh. My dream is to do tour. Tour. Wow, Wow. And. I feel like I'd like, if I had finished Hard Rock, I'd feel a little bit better. I'd like a bit more of that under my belt before I take that on. Um, Because from what I've read, and I'm going to have to ask you about UTMB because just how the terrain. So, you know, part of me would love to go over there and do something so I can kind of experience. You should hike it. Yeah. I like hiking though. That plays well. I'm really loving the 200 mile distance. I just feel like there's things I can still figure out, um, but I figured out some stuff and, and I'd like to do a hundred next year. So I'd like to do a 100 mile and work on getting a little bit faster. And then I'd like to do a 200 mile and get a bit more efficient. I can see that a 200 mile could be something interesting to do because it's kind of like very fast, fast packing. Fast and efficient. Yeah. And without the sleep thing you manage. Right. Like I slept a lot more at Bigfoot and I slept a lot less this time and I felt okay. Hmm. So that would be what tour is all about. It's yeah. just very fast, fast packing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like tour, there's a lot of climbing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's basically double hard rock. Actually, it might be more. I want to say it's 78,000. I think it's more. Oh my god. No, I think it's more. Is it? Yeah. 78. Yeah. Yeah, so hard rock was 33. Yeah, you're close to 80,000 feet. I think it's 80,000. So yeah. that means it's steep and that means there's probably but you do you do come into some towns, I think. So, I don't know. Yeah, you do. Oh, sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. you would. It's, yeah. Yeah. And you know, a Canadian just won that. Really? Yes. Galen Reynolds. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I did not know that. He lives Europe side, but he is from Canada okay. and he lived here until he went to university, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was on our podcast. You can check him out. I will definitely yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, bef- before we let you go, let's talk about your personal training and coaching business. When did you start that? Oh, gosh, years ago. Called Boundless Pursuits, is that it? Boundless Pursuits, yeah. And uh, it's funny how much time we spent agonizing over the name back then. And it's literally, it's been kind of timeless, right? It's it's because Boundless Pursuits is about, you know, living without limits. That's the whole point of Boundless Pursuits. And 
I started, oh gosh, I don't even know. I'm terrible with timelines, but it was years ago. And then I didn't do any training through COVID because I also work for uh, like a supplements company. So that is what I focused on during COVID. And I just started back up uh, training again. Recently, I started doing in-person classes and I, I have an online community. Like I have a YouTube channel where I, I do live on Facebook classes three times a week, which I started okay. and I'll continue to do that. And that's just, I just do my workouts live and people can join me and then I post them to YouTube. So they're definitely mm-hmm. designed for the middle-aged woman. And there is a definite running. They, they will lend themselves well to anyone who who's running. Um, yeah. Is there, that's, I think really important as we aged, it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man, like the strength training is what holds you together. Really. I think that strength training builds you up and running breaks you down. So (laughs) um, you can break yourself down all you want, but when you are aging, you, you got to rebuild yourself in between. So, yeah. And then I do a little bit of coaching for runners, probably more like a mid pack runner that wants to complete longer distances for sure would be what I would focus on. You also have retreats, right? Are you going somewhere? Yeah, I just started that last year. And I have, I have a lot of ideas around that. My goal is really to give people a taste of what I love to do, right, but on a smaller scale. So to take people out and um, we've, I try to go to places that we can do some climbing. Um, So May was the first retreat, we went to the Adirondacks and did that. And that was really fun. And then I have one coming up next weekend, we're going to Tremblant. And then I'm hoping, I haven't figured out the details yet, but I'm hoping to do one perhaps in Arizona. And then I'd I'd love, if I can figure this out, I'd love the idea of doing like a summit series where I just take women and we do, we climb summits because that's really exciting to climb peaks, right? And bag Mm -hmm. kind of things. So yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, we'll, post links to your website and your YouTube channel in the notes for sure. Thank you. But uh, wow, we were really excited to get to talk to you because we didn't, we were looking for someone who had done the divide. And then all of a sudden your name popped up on Instagram. We're like Jocelyn did it. Now we can talk about hard rock and the divide. Yeah. So great. I'm glad I could be uh, that convenience for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Before we let you go, we like to do a little rapid fire at the end of our podcast. So if you don't mind, we'll huh? jump right into that. Now I know you're a clean eater, but what's your favorite junk food? Fries. Fries? I love fries, yeah. (laughs) Are you superstitious? Kinda. I believe in the power of the universe. So yeah, Mm. I believe that everything happens for a reason. And so I'm always kind of looking for signs for things. I think that hard rock didn't make sense. Doesn't make sense that I got in, but it happened. I believe the universe was... A lot of things came from that. So, yeah. So I guess that's right. superstitious, right? Uh, name a TV show that you're embarrassed to say you watch. <laughs> Selling Sunset. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't gotten into that one yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're reality TV junkies, but we haven't gotten into that one yet. <laughs> Only when I watch. What's the last concert you went to? Uh, oh, man. I, I haven't been to a... Oh. It was uh, Mark Knopfler. He, oh, most people don't know who that is. He's, I know who that is. 
from Dire Straits? Uh, he's the lead singer of Dire Straits. And I love his his music. Actually, I often run to his music because I like calming music when I'm running. And my youngest son loved him. He was little. He was maybe eight or nine. And he came to Montreal. This must have been before COVID. And that's the last time I went to a concert. So that's wow. a little I had no, boy. <laughs> I had no idea he was still performing. Oh, yeah. Wow. Would you rather be a professional writer, painter, or a musician? I would love the gift of writing. Mm. Yeah. I, I, it's hard for me and I don't feel like I do it well. And I would love to be able to communicate through the written word. Well, yeah. Yeah. Cause I have lots to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Norm, you're up. Uh, pick a superpower that you'd like to have. I'm prepared for this one because I listened to your podcast. Okay, then I'm going to give you a different one. No, <laughs> no. I, I would love the power of the mind, like to be able to manage the mind and manage your thoughts, I think is the secret to everything in life is the ability to manage your mind and manage your thoughts. Mm. That's a good one. We haven't had that one. So you did yeah. think about it. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> All right, Jocelyn, this has been a blast. Wow, thank you so much for thank joining us. you guys. And we have to get on a, go out on a run sometime. Let me yeah, because I actually would love to hear about UTFB as well. So, yeah, definitely. And I'd love to do some more volunteering for you guys. So just let me know when you're looking for people. All right. All right. Well, we'll stay in touch. Right. Bye. And that was Jocelyn Briggs. Fresh offer, Divide 200. The only 200 in Canada. The only 200 in Canada at the moment. Yes. Nice. And... I hope I'm sure that race will grow a lot and bring in international visitors because obviously it's an epic course, beautiful part of the country. Amazing. Hearing her speak about how she makes a bigger goal to make the other goals. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I want to, I want, I understand what she's saying and I have experienced that in my running choices, but Hearing her say it again makes me want to do it again. Do what again? Well, do something that I don't think I can do. You so know? you're saying you want to take on a 100 miler? Well, I don't know what I'm saying. But <laughs> the feeling that you get when you do something that you're afraid of, no matter what it is, it doesn't have to be running, right? Yep. Take it on. Take it on. You do it. That's the feeling that we're trying to replicate every day of our life. Yes. And yet you get into this cycle of life where you don't challenge yourself to do hard things and then it becomes easy and then you can't challenge yourself because you're too afraid. I don't want that. Well, there I said it. So <laughs> it's my turn to pick a race and I haven't picked one yet. So yep, I am. I, I hey, next year I'm just coming along for the ride <laughs> because this was my year. Yep. Next year's your year. Right. So I got to pick something epic. So I want to hear from our listeners. Throw out some ideas of what I should do next year. Okay. Whether it's a stage race or anything. Anything. It doesn't have to be. Don't think outside the box, people. Doesn't even have to be a race. And back to Jocelyn. I like the <laughs> fact that. I don't know. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Back to well, she inspired me. Yeah. This is I was inspired by what she said because I, she's very empowering. She's I empowered agree. herself. I agree. And the whole time during the pod when she talked talk about talked about her menstrual cycle, 
kicking ass. Okay. <laughs> I was in tuned. Don't think I wasn't. No, I, I was. Know, I, know. I was like, wow, it's untrue. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> no, I cannot imagine me dealing going with. through that. Exactly. On top of other things happening. Exactly. Oh my God. Exactly. Well, thank you for acknowledging it. That's <laughs> and, all we want is to be acknowledged, right? The fact that she <laughs> didn't have to hard rock, didn't have to hard rock, but then came back and kicked ass of the divide saying, that I'm was then, here. this is now, let's go. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Okay, until next time. <laughs> we are back, folks. We are back <laughs> with a vengeance. And don't go anywhere. I'm still talking. <laughs> we are back. Stay tuned. And my video of UTMB is now out on our YouTube channel. Get some popcorn. Give it a view. Give it a like. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It costs you nothing. If you're interested. You did a good job. Thank you. Okay. All right, bye. We are your hosts, Jody and Norman. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Please visit our website, gotterunracing.com, for more details and join us on social media at Racing on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can support our channel by joining us on Patreon. All of the links can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Cheers.